This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Governor is a production of iHeartMedia and 3 Much Media. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Mr. Governor Newsom. This is an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. put all the money in the world into that campaign to end the death penalty on the ballot. But it doesn't equate to finding two people who are innocent. Innocent people changes minds. It has, in every state you will probably see that change the death penalty is because they found too many innocent people on death row. The money didn't do it. The moral consciousness of the communities in the state didn't do it. They did not want their tax dollars to kill an innocent man. Period. Jarvis masters on what he believes it'll take to put an end to capital punishment. I can imagine seven people in an auditorium, and they all talk about their experiences of being seconds away from being executed. That would turn people against the death penalty, in my opinion, very fast very fast, because we're looking at seven human beings that we paid to be executed. That really gets to the consciousness of people and see what happens. I think most people in America would say, wow, this is not for me. No, 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 no. You guys got this all wrong. My name is Daniel Vasquez, and I worked with the California Department of Corrections for 30 years, starting as a correctional officer and uh, bootstrapped my way up through a uh, parole agent, assistant parole agent, investigator, and then warden at San Quentin for 10 years. But when were you at San Quentin? You were there from when to when? From 1983 through 1993. The warden, uh, you're the uh, uh, chief operating officer. You're responsible for the daily operation by uh, subordinate staff of the uh, institution but you're responsible for 
the budget and for, uh, you know, just everything that has to do with uh, the running of San Quentin. Also, you carry out executions, you know, when they've been confirmed for executions and a death warrant has been received. According to Witness to Innocence, since the death penalty was reinstated in 1973, 167 men and women from 28 states have been exonerated and freed from death row. Let that sink in. 167 American citizens, the vast majority of whom were discovered to be innocent, were scheduled to be executed by our government, but they were spared, be it for the grace of God or the fate of luck. And the vast majority of those spared were found innocent based on dubious DNA evidence. What does that mean for the many condemned inmates who claim innocence, including Jarvis, for whom DNA evidence is non-existent? Imagine the international outrage if China was to knowingly execute over a hundred of its innocent citizens. Many of us still rage at the fact that the Saudi Arabian government executed just one of their citizens, Jamal Khashoggi. In our first episode, Jarvis asked how many guilty people need to be put to death to justify the execution of one innocent. We all need to answer that question for ourselves. But as painful as it might be to look, Jarvis and his community urge you to not turn a blind eye to the devastating reality that more than 4% of defendants sentenced to death in the U.S. are innocent, according to National Academy of Sciences. The National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty puts the number even higher, at 1 in 10. You are a believer still in capital punishment. Yes, I am. Uh, You know, uh, as the Bible says, uh, uh, an eye for an eye. Do you think it is a deterrent for other potential criminals to prevent them from committing capital crimes? No. No. It's It's a deterrent for the individual that's executed. But if if that was the case, then it should have only taken one execution to stop others from committing capital crimes. And as you well know, and I know, it doesn't work that way. It, it never stopped anybody else from killing another human being. Can I, can I say one thing? You know, um, since my stay on death row, people have read the papers and watched television and they have seen people who come on death row that have some of the most despicable crimes you can imagine. I'm talking about serious, ugly stuff. Baby killing, killing women who are pregnant. I mean, real serious, ugly stuff. And for a while, there was one guy I never met him, you know, but I've seen him and he was, he was on death row for killing a baby. And for years, I watched people watch this guy walk by, and they they were so enraged by him. They hated him. And I didn't like him. I didn't hate him, but I didn't like him, you know. And I used him as a sort of, okay, here's the perfect example of someone you need to work on because you it, it helps you work on yourself, you know. And he was in protective custody, I think, for about 16 years ago. Very few people spoke to him. You know, it was just terrible. Lo and behold, he was found to be innocent and walked out of this prison and left his property right at the door. Because I've seen it because I was going to a visit to go home. So you spent all this anger 
all this energy, and yet the very person that you despise, that you probably want to kill because of what he did, is found to be innocent. What does that say about you army? Sixteen years you've been hating this dude, wanting to kill somebody. How do you how do you reckon with that? You wanted to kill this man because he's a baby killer, and yet he just walked right by your cell and left all his belongings right at the foot of your door. So I just wanted to add that because it's so important to to what the questions I I have about the death penalty. You know, and it goes back to what I was saying. If you find an innocent person, it changes people's minds. Is there any circumstance in which the death penalty is justified? No. I don't believe it's justified because I think it's it's morally wrong. It's arbitrary. I mean, I honestly think a lot of people in America think it's morally wrong. But I would challenge those people who believe in it to put it on the evening news, the actual execution. Don't do it in the middle of the night. Do it in the middle of the day. But they don't want their kids to see it. They don't want to see it. Because deep down inside, you cannot kill a human being. People people who recognize, who see other people as human beings can't do it. You need a monster. You need somebody who's sick. That's what you need. Has your opinion of the death penalty changed over the years since it's become so personal for you? No, no. I, you know, before I got on death row, I was in San Quentin, and I lived on a tier with people on death row, and I, walked, and I watched them walk by myself, and I said, well, you know, what, what in the world is he sleeping on, you know? And it was really, really personal that I saw people that I, I got to know who were on death row. When we come back, Jarvis will tell the story of one person in particular he got to know on death row and what it was like in the days leading up to December 13, 2005, when that close personal friend was executed. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. 
If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you said you've known people who have been executed. Did you see him walk down to the death chamber? How, uh, how did that unfold? No, I, 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 you know, I've known of people, but I don't know. I don't know anybody other than uh, Stanley Tucky Williams that I knew personally and that I saw get executed. One of the last men to be executed in California was the notorious leader of the Crips gang, Stanley Tukey Williams, in 2005. I asked former warden Vasquez if he had been familiar with Tukey Williams during his time at San Quentin. Yes, I was. You were. Become somewhat of a rallying cry for people who believe in rehabilitation because he wrote children's books and he apparently turned his life around. In prison, did you see any of that? Did you witness his rehabilitation? No, not really. I mean, I, I, you know, he was just one of, of uh, when I left the institution, I think there was about 634 inmates on death row. So he was just one of 634 inmates. To me, he wasn't anything uh, uh, special or, you know. I saw him days before, you know, his execution, but we were in the visiting room and he was having his last visits, you know, with his family and friends and his, his girlfriend, she may have been his wife. He he was so strong. And I don't mean, you know, you can barely know he was on death row. You can barely tell that he was going to be executed. I didn't see it. And I looked for it. And he didn't have it. He didn't have it. I thought maybe he believed that he was going to win his appeal in the last minute. I didn't know what was going on, but I was looking for something, and I didn't see it. He kept his family laughing. He kept his people laughing. It was like the Last Supper, and I kind of felt what that was about. You know, I felt that he was just holding them. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You go out there, and you see a, a lot of people who want to cry, and, and you you hold them up. You know, you say, no, this is not going to happen, or... You know, uh, 
I'm going to love you guys no matter where I am. Um, so I got, I got that sense. But uh, him being executed two days later, was it was... Uh, I just believe that uh, he knew something I didn't know. And it may not happen or that there was some resolve that it was going to happen. Uh, but I couldn't read what he thought, you know. Was he uh, a friend? Oh, yeah, he was a good friend of mine, yes. Uh, in fact, his first book and my first book, we were writing it together in the Adjustment Center on the first tier. Uh, he had an idea of writing a book about kids. And I had this idea of writing stories, you know, um, short stories. Uh, so we were writing at the same time, you know. I couldn't spell a lick, so he he always, I used to always call him over and ask him how to spell certain words. And over the years, you know, he went one way on death row and I stayed in the adjustment center. He came back once or twice, uh, but, you know, for 20-something years, I was in the adjustment center. And um, I only saw him when he came, you know, came and left, you know. But um, I knew him personally, but I couldn't, I couldn't get a sense of where, where he was, you know. What was the day it like? Was, it was, it was, I don't know, it was a very typical day. We were not on lockdown. Uh, he walked with the same two guards. He, uh, he always, they escorted him. He didn't have no, he, he, it was the same restraints that he would normally have, that they normally put on you, whether you're on death row or not. It was those same restraints. He wasn't involved in chain. He didn't have no leg irons on anything. So I didn't see a a dying man, you know. I didn't see a man who was going to be executed. When he was walking towards the chamber, do the do the other prisoners show respect? I don't know how that works. I really don't know how that works. You know, they keep that stuff top secret. You know, uh, I really don't know how that works. I really don't. I know that they in the last twenty four hours or seventy two hours they put you on uh, death watch. They they put you in an isolating cell and they watch everything you do, you know, and they log everything you do and they write what you ate and what you didn't eat, you know. But I mean that's what I just know from you know, from word of mouth. I, I have no idea. You know, uh I know I don't even know where where it's actually done, you know. Um I have no idea where that's at. Not too many people do. You know? Really? That's um, amazing. So you don't even know where the chamber is? Well, I mean, we knew where the gas chamber is, you know, because the gas chamber was there a hundred years ago, you know, and it never moved. But this table, this execution table, you know, no, I, no way. I didn't know where it was. It, it, Did you hear that it was dismantled? Yeah, yeah. I heard it was dismantled. I saw it on television. And we are, as I speak, as I speak, shutting down, removing the equipment in the death chamber at San Quentin. Uh, the governor made a very serious point when, you know, when, when there's that vigil, you know, and we, we were watching, you know, 
parts of it coming out of the door, you know. Uh, that was a very powerful statement. But it also got a lot of people mad, too. And I think uh, those numbers of people who believe in a death penalty are increasing because of that. I think there's, uh, underneath our feet, there's a lot of people who are getting ready to spend a lot of money to uh, put the death penalty back in action if the governor wins the next election. Why do you think they're motivated to do that? In my heart of hearts, I think people believe that if you stand in line and you vote on the death penalty and that vote is discredited and taken away from you, people are upset, you know. And they voted for the death penalty. And people believe that their vote was stolen. And the victims had no right to have that spell taken from them like that. You know, and that is a response to the governor. Um, juries are are voting to give people the death penalty now. Those jurors who believe that their vote were stolen, they're, they're, they're taking it out. You know, I'm in the Bay Area. You find very few people who believe in the death penalty. You know, I know people who ain't met, never met anyone who believes in the death penalty. But if you go to Orange County, if you go to San Bernardino County, if you go to the whole half part of Riverside County, and then if you especially go up here up north and all these other counties, they're totally want the death penalty. You know, and they're, and, and they're doing something about it. According to Gallup, opposition to the death penalty is actually at its highest point in almost half a century. Though a majority of Americans, 56%, continue to support capital punishment for individuals convicted of murder. It's right here telling me I have to hang up. Wait, what? You gotta hang up. Yeah, yeah. You gotta hang up? Okay. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. All right, be well. Be well. Bye. In a landmark case back in 1972, Furman v. Georgia, the Supreme Court had actually abolished capital punishment. Though it was eventually reinstated only four years later, Justice Potter Stewart stated at the time that the death penalty was, quote, so wantonly and freakishly imposed, it was cruel and unusual in the same way that being struck by lightning is cruel and unusual. The only justice on the Supreme Court to ever litigate a death penalty case, Justice Thurgood Marshall, also concurred with the Furman, Georgia case. An adamant abolitionist, he believed that the more informed voters were about the arbitrary nature of the death penalty, the less likely they would be to support it. A theory referred to today as the Marshall Hypothesis. Up next, Stanford Law Professor Larry Marshall, no relation to Thurgood, breaks down the veracity of the Marshall Hypothesis and the fascinating way in which Larry was first introduced to Jarvis's plight. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day. 
with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut. And I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Larry Marshall, and I am a professor of law at Stanford University and uh, and a lawyer as well. So I got a call from someone asking if I was available the next day to speak with Oprah Winfrey about uh, a case. Uh, and I said yes, and I got on the phone, and she was uh, you know, very passionate about Jarvis's case and about trying to make sure that he got, you know, world-class representation. And I, uh, I told her that I would do my best to help find lawyers who would be able to take the case to the next level. In the course of my work for close to 30 years, I have met thousands, thousands, of people who have said, I used to support the death penalty, but the more I've learned about its vices and flaws and risks and so on, I've now come to oppose it. Mm -hmm. I've not met a single person who says, I used to oppose the death penalty, but the more I learned about its accuracy and its fairness and its cost effectiveness and its justice, I've now come to support it. And I submit to you, the measure of any public policy is what impact does information have on public opinion? And here, if people can be educated, and this is the Marshall hypothesis, 
if people can be educated about the death penalty, they will, in huge numbers, come to oppose the death penalty. Perhaps hearing Jarvis's story will compel some to test the accuracy of the Marshall hypothesis on themselves. Jarvis has maintained his innocence in the crime that put him on death row. Reputable legal scholars who have researched his case have declared him factually innocent. None of us can know for absolute certainty that he's telling the truth. But similarly, none of us can know for absolute certainty that he's not telling the truth. A man's life hangs in the precarious balance of this ambiguity. We are his judge and jury. What we know for absolute certain is that one, Jarvis never murdered anyone. Two, Jarvis may be guilty of forming the shiv that killed Sergeant Birchfield. And equally, three, Jarvis may not be guilty of forming the shiv that killed Sergeant Birchfield. With this level of uncertainty, can there be a conscionable justification to execute an American citizen? Death Penalty Focus, a nonprofit devoted to ending the death penalty, dubbed last year the Year of Executing Innocence. An Alabama death row inmate has been executed. Dominique Ray was executed on February 7, 2019. Dominique Ray died tonight at Holman Correctional Facility in Atmore. Mr. Ray was convicted based solely on the testimony of a witness with schizophrenia who was delusional and actively hallucinating. The witness's mental state was known to the prosecutors but never disclosed. His attorneys were inexperienced, underpaid, and did very little investigation. There was substantial evidence of innocence, which the jury never heard. On August 21st, 2019, Larry Swearingen was executed in Texas. He went to his death tonight, maintaining his innocence. He was executed for the murder of a 19-year-old woman. There was no physical evidence associating him with the crime. There was no matching DNA. And the day the murder most likely took place, Mr. Swearingen was locked up in the county jail for traffic violations. Tonight, Texas executed Larry Swearingen at the state penitentiary in Huntsville, the death chamber. His lawyers claimed, quote, a combination of flawed science and overblown testimony condemned an innocent man. And according to the Death Penalty Information Center, 19 of the 22 prisoners who were executed in 2019 had, quote, significant evidence of mental illness, brain impairments, intellectual disability, or chronic serious childhood trauma. Sadly, 2020 appears no less lethal for innocent people on death row. Despite weak evidence and subpar representation in his 2005 trial, 43-year-old Nathaniel Woods was executed just two months ago for his connection to the murders of three Birmingham police officers. This despite the fact that he didn't shoot the gun, he didn't even hold the gun, he maintained that he dropped to his knees in an attempt to surrender to the officers who barged into the apartment. The man who actually fired the gun, death row inmate Carrie Spencer, said Nate was actually 100% innocent. Two of the 12 jurors voted to spare Nate's life, and a sister of one of the slain officers made a last-minute call to Alabama Governor Kay Ivey's office to postpone the execution date to allow more time to investigate the evidence. On that call, she said, quote, he didn't kill my brother, and he didn't kill the other officers. May they rest in peace. I'm asking for mercy, and I believe my brother would want me to take the same stance because of the man he was. Sadly, that plea fell on deaf ears, because staunch pro-life Governor Ivey 
was pro-death that day. High-profile individuals from the son of Martin Luther King Jr. to director Ava DuVernay to Kim Kardashian West all tweeted against Woods' execution. But the governor of Alabama released a statement doubling down, saying, this is not a decision that I take lightly, but I firmly believe in the rule of law and that justice must be served. Staunch pro-life Governor Ivey has presided over nine executions on her watch since 2017. Last year, Governor Ivey signed into law an abortion ban, citing Alabamians' deeply held belief that every life is precious and that every life is a sacred gift from God. Nate's sister Pamela believed Nate was a precious gift. Nate's father, Nate Sr., believed Nate was a precious gift. Tens of thousands of Nate's supporters believed him to be a precious gift. Dear Governor Newsom, uh, my name is Pema Chodron, and uh, I'm a Western Buddhist nun and a teacher of students uh, throughout the world, most of whom aren't even necessarily Buddhists. And I've written a number of books, and uh, probably the most well-known is called When Things Fall Apart. I've known Jarvis Masters over 20 years as a friend and as his spiritual advisor, and I have no doubt at all, really no doubt at all, that Jarvis was not part of the conspiracy that resulted in the death of Sergeant Birchfield. I don't know, I don't know when I met Pamela, but I know it was after Finding Freedom was published, and I heard that someone gave her my book, Finding Freedom, and after that, there's this blank, you know. We start writing each other, and, and everything else is like a blank to me. I can't remember anything else. Does she come to visit you? Um, oh, yeah. She visits me almost twice a year, once a year. You want to talk about joy? Uh, here you are, death row, and locked in a, in a cage, and you're laughing all for, for, for two and a half hours. You know, uh, <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that, now, now, you know, how you get a load of that, you know, you've got to love her. Yeah. How, how can you not love someone who's able to do that, you know? Jarvis is an exceptionally compassionate man that literally spends almost all of his time helping other inmates. He has written two beautiful books about his life, but really... The most important thing is that he is innocent. He's an innocent man who does not deserve to be in prison even a day longer. Every time I saw her, it was it was something special for me. And then she started introducing me to other Buddhists and that she knew and a lot of our other students. And a lot of these people are still in my life, still supporters of me. She's more like a mother to me than anything else. Yeah, she's, she's definitely that, you know. A lot of people want to identify our relationship as my teacher, and I and I totally accept that just as fast. But my relationship to her is my mama. That's who she is. <laughs> Bar none, so that's just what she is to me. I love mm -hmm. her that way. I have visited Jarvis many times at San Quentin, and we are in close touch by phone when he's able to call. And he has become a dear friend and a student. Jarvis has had me in tears, literally, 
both from joy and sadness about his many experiences with diffusing prison conflict among the prison population. I'm so inspired by his stories of his experiences that I often use them as examples in my public teaching on human goodness. One story which I find uh, so touching is one time um, Jarvis was thinking they were out on the yard and uh, there was a guard that was um, trying to provoke Jarvis. Now I want to say in this regard that most of the guards are wonderful and very helpful. Um, but of course, uh, there's some that aren't. And in this case, the guard was taunting Jarvis and trying to get him to respond. But Jarvis uh, didn't retaliate and uh, didn't push back. And finally, the guard left. And then the men on the yard, they came around and, uh, and they were saying to him, Jarvis, how, did you, how can you do that? How can you just let him talk to you like that without lashing out at him? How can you do that? Is that your Buddhism that allows you to do that? And he said, no, it's not my Buddhism. It's just that I've gotten some letters from teenagers who are the children of guards. And they say that sometimes their fathers are so frustrated and angry when they come back from work because of what they've had to put up with 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 prisoners that they lash out at the kids and beat them so I don't retaliate when I'm uh, taunted like that because I don't want these guys to go home and beat their kids so I know that Jarvis's aspiration is to continue to help others no matter where he is and his lifelong experiences of being a prisoner on death row will be invaluable to people who come from the same background that he did. His habitual care and love for others while in prison has become, I would say, cellular for him. And his passion is to work with beings on the outside who could, with no guidance or encouragement from someone that knows firsthand, who could then find themselves in prison just as he did, or, of course, worse. The injustice of keeping Jarvis locked up because he is caught up in a web of an old system filled with racial bias would be such a travesty and an unfortunate waste of his experience, wisdom, and genuine desire to make underprivileged and unguided lives better. He has courage. He really knows what these young people are up against. And he has the heartfelt longing that no one ever has to live a life behind bars and that life is full of possibility and love, not hopelessness. Next week, we'll hear the details of the murder of Sergeant Hal Birchfield. Jarvis's side of the story. We'll also hear the jaw-dropping way in which Jarvis finally found out that he was implicated in the conspiracy to commit murder. Today's episode was written and produced by Donna Fazari and myself, Corny Cole. Our theme song, Sentenced, is compliments of the band Stick Figure from their album Set in Stone. Stu Sternbach has composed the original music. Nate Dufort did the sound design. Visit 
freejarvis.org to find out more about Jarvis's case and to sign your name to our Dear Governor Newsom petition. And if you have questions for Jarvis, please leave a message on our hotline at 201-903-3575. That's 201-903-3575. Dear Governor Newsom is a production of iHeartMedia and Three Mutts Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.